The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast, Honda Classic, DFS, and betting preview. And joining me, as he does every Tuesday to break it all down, is my man, Greg Ducharme. Welcome in, Greg. Thanks for having me again, Rick. You're looking good, by the way. I like the haircut. You got a big outing planned or something? This is a big week for us, man. We are, I'm headed down to the Honda Classic. There's a, a DFS fantasy golf meetup in Florida. So I am just a fan of golf this week, taking in the Honda, playing a little golf. So you've been now to, let's see, one, three, is it three PGA Tour events so far this year, including yeah. Honda? Yeah, so this season I was at, uh, so Shriners was this season, but not this year. Um, then I was yep. at Tory. Uh, then I was at Genesis and Honda will, yes, Honda will be my fourth. That's awesome. So yeah. cool to see. Honda's a fun event too. I've been, I've been down there, uh, quite a few times. I've played the golf course. It's a, it's a very interesting golf course. And it, it's one of the most, if you get into the bear trap, there are a few places you'll have more fun. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's talk about this course. So this is the first leg of the Florida swing, Greg. We're going to be down here for a couple of weeks. And I guess let's first start with, uh, we, for the last however many weeks we've been talking about these Poana greens and how they butt in the afternoon and how it causes everybody issues. Well, no more. It's Bermuda down in Florida, right? And, and how, how are guys going to adjust to just the, the new grass? The new grass. Well, it's, de- it's different in a couple of ways. One way is around the greens. Actually, as time has gone on, as we've gotten better and better and better, uh, in, in the agronomy aspect of the game, just like we have in every aspect of the game, but, um, it, agro- as agronomy has improved, grain has been taken out of greens. Even in even in uh, on Bermuda greens, you're seeing less and less grain. It will still play a factor this week, but a smaller factor. What you're likely to see on TV, you'll see some shiny areas of the green, and you'll see dull areas of the green. And the same is true when you're on the greens. You'll see shiny and dull. If you see shiny, that means it's down grain. If you see dull, that means it's into the grain. In Florida, you typically will have less undulation on the greens as in degrees of slope so when bryson pulls out his greens book and it says four four degrees pitch to the right or to the left you're going to see smaller numbers in that aspect but grain will still have a little bit of an effect and pull the ball make a a putt faster or slower kind of like a slope Uh, and as i said that has gotten less and less of an effect when grass gets shorter the grain uh, affects the ball less and you're starting to see greens get cut really low. So uh, not a huge factor on the greens. The green surfaces are going to be fantastic. They'll be they'll be flying. They'll be really fast this week, which will be nice to see. Um, and but around the greens, 
you will see it have an effect because now you're in fairway areas. You're in some uh, a little bit longer grass and you'll see some grainy chips and a, a player like we saw Victor Hovland struggle in, in Puerto Rico with some chipping and pitching. You may see some of that stuff if a guy's really struggling. Um, but all in all, it doesn't look like we're going to have too much rain in the forecast. So I think the grass is going to be in pretty good shape from a, a ball hitting perspective in the fairway. It should be fine. The rough generally will have a little bit of overseed this time of year. So the rough shouldn't be much of an issue as for Bermuda. Like what we used to see at the players in May, the, the ball would just go right to the bottom and the Bermuda. You're not going to see much of that this week because of the, um, because of the overseed. So it, it should be fine. It should be very interesting. It's going to play uh, a little bit more pure. I think you're not going to yeah. see a lot of humps and bumps. Well, and it's also going to play a lot more difficult than what we've been seeing over the course of the last, uh, I would even say months because PGA National, host of the Honda Classic since 20, 2007, excuse me, it was the fifth hardest course on the PGA Tour last year. And one of the big reasons for that, Greg, is there's really water lurking everywhere. Uh, this, your tea- Oh, go ahead. No, no. Finish up. I was just going to say your, your, your tee shots, uh, there's water in play on some, I think there's water in play on like 15 of these 18 holes or something crazy. So it is not, uh, not rare to see a big number, uh, posted out there and the winning score to be somewhere in the single digits under par. A common theme we've seen on the PGA tour of, over time, especially recent time, the rough has been very low. So you see a player like Mark Leishman win at the Farmers Insurance Open. Uh, even though the rough was a little bit thicker there, he's hitting it into the galleries where there's matted down lies and there's not much of a penalty. This past week in Mexico, the penalty is being in the trees, but players still have an opportunity to recover. When you get to Florida and you, you get to where these holes have, have water, this is what really scares PGA Tour players. Wind and water combined scares Tour players more than anything else because if you miss – and it ends up in the water. It's the greatest penalty for miss other than out of bounds. You can't play your ball. There's no opportunity to recover. You're forced to take a drop. So it, it becomes very intimidating. It becomes very daunting, uh, much more daunting than deep rough or, uh, or, or deep bunkers or even trees for that matter. Because again, you can't play your ball from the water. So it, it's definitely a factor this week leads to difficult scoring conditions. And it's something that definitely also leads to uh, more conservative styles of play. Players will take on much less risk when water is the is the penalty for the miss than, as I said, trees, um, bunkers, or deep rough. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, the bear trap earlier, which is 15, 16, 17. It is generally one of the three or four most difficult stretches on the PGA Tour, but that's not the only problem they're going to have to face around here. I mean, number six is a par four that was the fourth most difficult hole on the PGA Tour last year. I think it's six, seven, eight is like one of the like fifth or sixth hardest three-hole stretches. So you're getting multiple stretches of holes out here that like – We've got a cut this week, Greg, and we're going to talk about some of these DraftKings players. You're, you are one swing away or one hole away from missing the cut and, uh, screwing all of your, your, your DFS owners this week, I think. It's an uneasy tournament to watch from a uh, betting perspective or from a fantasy perspective because you, you, you never feel comfortable <laughs> and you won't until the tournament ends because the, the pressure shots, the biggest pressure shots are in the bear trap at the end, but they in truth lurk throughout the entirety of the golf course. So you're absolutely right. It, it's an uneasy week to watch as a fan, but at the same time, that uneasy feeling 
uh, can create great entertainment. So I, I think we're in for a real treat this week. It, it's nice to see uh, an event like this. Last year, the Honda Classic, despite a weaker field, was, in my opinion, one of the more compelling events on the entire PGA Tour season. You had Brooks Kepka and Roar, and uh, Ricky Fowler sitting in the clubhouse at eight under par, and you had Keith Mitchell coming down 18 with a chance to win, and he makes that. He, he makes the putt for birdie on 18 that nobody thought he was going to make, um, and, and he ended up getting the win. It was a compelling tournament with a weaker field. We're seeing similar things this week, but because of the golf course, and this is a classic Florida golf course, uh, we will see a compelling finish, and you're not going to know who's going to end this tournament until the very end. Keith Mitchell, nine under par, was your winner winner last year. The year prior, Justin Thomas at eight under. Ricky Fowler won it in 2017 at 12 under par. Adam Scott in 2016 at nine under. And Padraig Harrington won it at six under par in 2015. So you are certainly going to, like, par is going to be a good score in a lot of situations for this week. And when I kind of look ahead to uh, maybe some lineup building strategies for this week, uh, generally speaking, uh, I think a stars and scrubs approach has been pretty beneficial, Greg. I was looking back at just last year's DraftKings scoring and – here are the top six guys. So this would have been the best possible lineup you could have made. Uh, Keith Mitchell, who was 6,700. Ricky Fowler, who was 11,200. Ryan Palmer was 7,200. Brooks Kepka was 10,007. And then you had Wyndham Clark at 74 and VJ Singh at 6,300. So that is a, almost a patented stars and scrubs type of lineup. And beyond just the reason you see that, it's not just the the values that, that are placed on these players. It's the style of play. You have a, a wide range of style that can win at this golf course. And that is true for the most part throughout all of Florida. Bay Hill may be an exception to that. But um, when, when you get to the Valspar, when you get to the Players' Championship, you uh, are in this situation now where um, where a lot of different types of players can win. And it's because length isn't the defense on the golf course. Uh, hazard. This is about, this is about penalty avoidance. If you can avoid penalties, you can succeed. You don't have to go make 25 birdies to win. You have to avoid making the double bogey in the key moment. So that's why when you see scores like that at eight under or so, it's, um, it, it's very beneficial. So I, I think it's, it, it's very interesting to see. There's a lot of guys in these lineups, even though they may not be big popular names. There's a lot of guys that are going to add a lot of value to your team. Well, let's jump into it. So here we go. The DraftKings player pool, the top of the betting board, is led off by Tommy Fleetwood at 11,600, Brooks Kepka at 11,002, Ricky Fowler at 10,008, and Gary Woodland at 10,300. I've got to admit, Greg, uh, I was a little blurry-eyed, you know, Monday morning drinking my coffee on the West Coast. It was still early for me. I popped open the odds, and I saw Tommy Fleetwood at the top, and I was a little bit surprised. It is surprising. He's not a player you would expect to be favored ahead of a Brooks Kepka or a Ricky Fowler, even a Gary Woodland for that matter. But there's a reason for it. Tommy Fleetwood in his one appearance here at the Honda Classic in 2018 came in fourth place. Uh, it, it, we mentioned the wind and the water. The, um, the it, it reminds me almost a little bit of a Le Golf National type experience. Probably a little more water, maybe not as long, but there's a premium on accuracy this week. Um, and, and when I look at this tournament, I ask myself this question, who can I trust on 15 and 17? Those two key shots and 16 is an important one as well, but the par threes, 15 and 17 
who can I trust to hit the green? And Tommy Fleetwood sitting right there at the top of my list in that category. Brooks Kepka, we have questions about him because of his injury. We just don't know where he stands. So that being said, I can understand why Tommy Fleetwood's near the top, but I'm surprised he's the number one guy. What happens if Tommy just can't win? Like, he doesn't well, win. He he doesn't win. You're right. He does not win on the PGA <laughs> Tour, which is shocking. But listen yeah. to his record worldwide. He did win on the European Tour, the Ned Bank Golf Challenge presented by Gary yep. Player. DP World Tour Championship came in second. Tied second at Abu Dhabi. You're getting the can't win kind of thing. It's yep. starting to go here. Tied 11th at the Omega Dubai Desert Classic. Tied 18th at the World Golf Championship, Mexico Championship, just last week. So it's been phenomenal performances throughout the world recently, but just the one win. And it's an event that we don't really necessarily remember. Nobody, you can't, it's hard to tell. You couldn't name another winner of the Ned Bank Golf Challenge presented by Gary Player. It's a <laughs> European tour event no. we don't necessarily follow. It's nothing against that event. Just here in America, you're probably not watching it. Uh, listen, I, I love Tommy. Okay. I think he's also a very good, uh, DraftKings player, generally speaking, because he's one of these guys. And we saw it at the U.S. Open that one year. We've seen it time and time again. He can go out and shoot the lowest round of the day. He can rack up a bunch of birdies points for you. Like Tommy's all good. But if I'm paying 11,600 or I'm betting him at like 11 to one or whatever it was for be, to be an outright, like, I don't care if he comes in second or third or fourth. I need him to actually right. win the golf tournament, and he just hasn't shown it. Right? I mean, like the top of this board, um, you know, between Tommy Fleetwood at eleven six, like Louis is up here. Uh, we may, we kind of poke fun at, at Ricky Fowler for not being able to win. It's like a lot of guys who don't win a lot of golf tournaments. It, it's great to look at here because Tommy Fleetwood's an interesting case. Typically, it's okay, like he's going to win at some point. We know he, he's likely going to win at some point. This is a good course for him. This is a week it would make sense to see a, a Tommy Fleetwood win. But it's too much risk to take on for an outright. It's just too much risk. Am I, are you going to go and be early on Tommy Fleetwood when he's the favorite? Hey, that's not a situation where you're going to be, quote unquote, early on him. You're not getting the advantage of being early because you don't have the odds in your favor. That being said, in a DraftKings lineup, uh, in, in a true stars and scrubs type strategy, He's not a bad guy to pick because now you do get value out of a T3, out of something like that. I think you have very low miscut risk with him this week. He's one of the few players where I think you have low miscut risk. So I, I think there is some value for him in DraftKings if you're going with the stars and scrubs strategy. I think that um, Tommy is so good that he can win in almost any field. I don't think I have to pay for it at 11-6 with him the favorite or anything like that because he can win when he's the 15th best player in the field. Um, I'm, I'm targeting the two at the bottom here. Ricky Fowler, Gary Woodland for me are the two that I would rather, much rather play over Tommy Fleetwood and Brooks Kepka. Obviously the, the knee concerns around Brooks Kepka and the fact that he – I mean, kind of very scarily just came out and was like, yeah, my knee might never be 100%. And I was like, oh, my God. It, like anten what? antenna what? ears up. Like, did he just say that? I'm so scared. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at Ricky, who, who quite honestly hasn't been all that good. Uh, you know, we talked about him a lot during the American Express where he had the 36-hole lead. He was 15 under par. He looked great. Uh, never gets anything going, and he fades to a, a T10 on the weekend. He follows that up with a missed cut at the Farmers. Then he goes, you know, T37 at the waste management, which is pretty uninspiring. And we haven't seen him since, which I actually think, Greg, is good for Ricky Fowler. There, there are weeks where 
were like, oh, we haven't seen this guy play. I don't know what he's been up to. Ricky Fowler's kind of going through this little swing. I don't want to call it a swing change, this little like swing thing where he's like, yeah. you know, lifting up that front foot and trying out something new. And I think that time off, <laughs> believe it or not, get, t- get time to get right and go to a course that you've absolutely dominated at a second, a win, a sixth in three of the last four years. Like, let me fire up some Ricky here. I am actually with you a hundred percent on this. Reason is John Tillery is new coach. You know, they've been working on things. I would, it, you're right. It's probably, it's swing work. We'll call it swing work. Yeah. They're doing a little work on that swing, right? But it's the new coach aspect. So this is, these are things that are new for him. And a little bit of time is all Ricky Fowler needs. We saw it with, uh, when he switched to Butch Harmon in 2014, the changes they started to make led pretty immediately to great success. And he was able to come in the top five in all four of the majors that year. So that was extremely impressive. Ricky is a quick learner. I think he has a, uh, a somewhat easy time trusting um, trusting his coach. So I, I am looking forward to seeing what we get out of Ricky Fowler. Now, Ricky has a way of performing really well when he's the class of the field. Doesn't necessarily mean winning, but he he's not afraid to go out and, and shoot a low number. There are other players when they're the class of the field, there's a lot of pressure. They, they don't perform at all, and they won't be a part of the tournament. Um, John Rahm's a guy I've mentioned. When he's the class of the field, he goes out and wins, and that, that usually happens in international fields. Um, I, I think Ricky has the capability of getting himself right in contention this week. There's no reason to think he wouldn't, other than you have a little bit of a question of what's he been up to lately. Um, and so I, I do like Ricky, but I like Gary Woodland a little bit more this week, and I'll tell you why. This is that kind of golf course for Gary where he doesn't have to hit driver off the tee, right? He, this is the, I can hit that stinger tee shot with irons. You can hit some fairway woods off the tee. It's all about keeping it in play. For a player as long as Gary Woodland, so far this year on the PGA Tour, he's hitting 70.45% of his fairways. Now, driving accuracy is a stat that I very rarely look at. And I, I typically will only look at that stat in a case of a guy who's hitting it really well. And when a really long hitter hitting that number of fairways is extremely impressive and it's leading to a lot of greens in regulation, which is he's hitting 75% of his greens in regulation. And this is one of those weeks on tour where the old school statistics, the fairways and greens become extremely important because there's so much water. Um, and if you miss fairways into even into fairway bunkers, some of those approach shots over water, challenging water to the side they become a little bit more frightening and you'll see some players kind of maybe even lay up sometimes so being able to put the ball in play at whatever distance you're going to put the ball in play at is going to be at a premium this week Gary Woodland does it as well as anybody uh, and he does have a t2 in 2017 here so I, I think it's a good setup for him I, I will tell you that um, each week I write a, a power rankings article for Sportsline, which is a, a really good exercise that I go through and have to have to rank all of these golfers. I, I have Gary Woodland uh, ranked higher than Ricky Fowler uh, for a lot of the same reasons that you're that you're just talking about. I just he's the first guy that I don't really have any issues with. I bet him at twenty five to one. Um, I think it sets up a lot like a lot like his his U.S. Open win at Pebble. It, you don't have to be all that long, but you have to be good off the tee. Uh, a par is going to be a, a very good score on a lot of these holes. It might be a similar winning score. Like, yeah, I'm not going to reiterate everything. I, I, I really like Gary. So for that top end, those 10,000 guys, I'm playing Ricky. I'm playing Gary Woodland. 
I'm fading Tommy Fleetwood and Brooks Kepka. Sounds like you're kind of on the same page there, Greg. Well, I'm, I'm a little more favorable on Fleetwood than you yeah. are, and uh, probably a little less favorable on Ricky than you are. So Got Kepka it. is a definite fade. The two, my two favorites are Fleetwood and Woodland here. I'm going with the top and the bottom in that range. Uh, I'm, I'm not there to trust Ricky yet, although you're, you make some really good points and you could definitely see him stand up, but I think I'm fading Ricky and fading Kepka. Okay. $9,000 range, uh, led by Justin Rose at 9,900, uh, Louis who was one of the more interesting, uh, performances that we saw last week in Mexico at 97, uh, newly crowned winner, Victor Hovland at 95, Sung J M at 93, Billy Horschel, 92, Shane Lowry, 91, and Eric Fun Ruin. I believe is how Mark Immelman taught think, me how to pronounce yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nobody flat. else pronounces it that way, by the uh, way. I guess Mark would know though, right? Like, yeah, I, I trust it. I trust Mark. Yeah, I definitely do. It's just everybody gets it wrong. I so, know. It's interesting. So, so then when you say it right, everyone thinks you're wrong. So it's like right. this weird, this weird thing we got yeah, going on. Yeah, you're kind of caught in the middle, but I, yeah. we'll go with Mark. All right. Mark, uh, at 9,000 is Eric Fun Ruin. And, uh, so here, here's where I'm at. This range is, is kind of super awkward. Um, I think there's going to be some really popular guys here. I think there's going to be some guys that everyone is going to avoid. For me, uh, you know, I'm a big Sung Jay guy. You know, he's, he's playing better. He showed up, uh, WGC Mexico and finished 29th. Um, and obviously a very deep field. He's a much better player, uh, in this field this week. So he's someone that I'm looking at. And then even someone like Justin Rose, who it's weird. I can make the case. I, I have just as many pros as I have cons for Justin Rose. And he hasn't played all that well on the PGA Tour. His last four measured tournaments, even dating back to last season, he's lost strokes. Uh, but then you look at his international stuff. He had like a second place in Singapore. He had that fifth at uh, the Hero World Challenge, which I understand it's only 18 players, but it's 18 really good players. Uh, down in the Bahamas. So like, there are things to take away from Justin Rose. I'm just kind of torn on him at the moment. I'm in a very similar position uh, to you. Cause here's the thing with Justin. I'm not, uh, extremely excited about his game where it is since uh, basically last year. I mean, Justin Rose got to the number one position in the world. It was right there with Brooks Kepka. He was playing the most consistent golf I've seen in a long time. He won the FedEx Cup. He reaches world number one. He's playing, clicking on all cylinders. It was everywhere he went, he was right there around the lead. He changed his equipment. He changed his, uh, I guess, I, I've heard rumors that they didn't made a couple of swing changes, uh, a couple of body changes, and all of a sudden he's fallen outside the top ten in the world. That being said, th- those are kind of the cons on Justin Rose. I'm, I'm not overly excited about all these changes he's made. He hasn't given me any confidence of consistency. But as you mentioned, there are a lot of guys in this uh, in the class above him who aren't winners. They don't win a lot. Brooks Kepka, we can include in that because uh, this isn't a major. So these guys are, are guys that don't really have a, an extremely high amount of win equity. Justin Rose has extremely high win equity. There is no doubt about it. That guy is not afraid to go win a PGA Tour event, and he's proven it time and time again. He can do it. So uh, I think there's a really high ceiling with Justin Rose, but I also I think he has some uh, miscut risk. So I I'm not really sure what to do with Justin, um, and I, I I put him I lean more towards the fade with him. Okay, so I'll tell you I'll just add this little bow before we get the guys you like the most here in this range. Uh, I did also bet Justin Rose. Uh, this is the second time 
only the second time in his last eight starts that he's been longer than 22 to one. You usually see Justin Rose, you know, 14, 16, 18 to one. He's 25 to one this week. Uh, I bit on that. You know, he's probably the third, fourth, fifth best player in the field. Uh, I suspect those guys can usually figure their stuff out and I bid on 25, but who, who in this 9k range does kind of move the needle for you? Well, just to add to your point there, I I think from a a betting, a bet to win perspective, Justin Rose at 25 to one is the best bet in the field. Uh, so I, I think what you bid on is a smart, it's a smart bite. I mean, I wouldn't bet my house on it. I wouldn't bet any (laughs) pink slips on it, but if you're going to throw a little, you know, a couple of a friendly amount on it. Keep it friendly. I think it's the best bet in the field. Um, in this range, who do I like? Billy Horschel stands out to me. He just, he, he's got Florida in his blood. We're in the Florida swing now. He's starting to play a little bit better. We're starting to see Billy Horschel round into form a little bit here. Four top tens, including Mexico, T9 in Mexico, T9 at Waste Management Phoenix Open. Um, and he has a good record here at Honda, tied eighth in 2016, tied fourth in 2017. Uh, and, and tied 16th in 2019. So some, some really nice finishes. And he has a, a style of play that reminds me a little bit of Patrick Reed in that his tee to green statistics, you're not going to be very favorable on. This is probably a guy, Rick, that you're rarely ever, if ever, going to bet because his, <laughs> his tee to green stuff's just not great. Right. But that's but true on and around the greens. I really like, and I'm a big fan of, and there's been, a little bit of a theme going this year on tour where guys who putt really well have been winning. We had Mark Leishman had remarkable putting performances at the Farmers, Patrick Reed obviously last week, among others. So I, I have a funny feeling about Billy Horschel. I think his game's rounding into form. I think he's hitting it a little bit better. And I love what he can do around the green. He's a scrappy player. I have so much to unwrap about that last, you know, 60 seconds you just went on. <laughs> First of all, for those who cannot see Greg, he has like a play sheet of like, are you like Coach Andy Reid? Like you've got all like your stuff on like a hard sheet in well, front of well, him. Oh, look, I do, I do a lot of over. Yeah. He's flipping in every direction. It, there's no way you have things written upside down and backwards. It's unbelievable. I love it. What yeah, is that I'll sheet? give you a little bit better of a picture. I got all kinds of paperwork here. Oh, you, you got to go. understand, I got a lot of shows going on. I got We got course record. There are certain things that you just got to have on paper. I got course record. I got a new breed of golf on Sirius XM. I got all these notes. Oh. I'm a note guy. I got yeah. binders over here that are full. I got a, I got a drawer down here. Paper is reeling out of. Wait till you see this. Just to go on this note here, because this is handy. And I, maybe I'll tweet. That's oh my like, gosh. Those are old notes from they last save year. Save the trees, it's, my friends. Well, that's why there's, that's why they're not in the garbage can. I got to recycle all those. Oh. But they're, I, I still, you never know if you're going to go back to them. <laughs> So, but so when, when Greg gets, when Greg gets on a very passionate, uh, stance, he starts flipping through all the pages. You know, it's, you know, it's a good one, <laughs> but, um, I, okay. I, I really like Billy Horschel, uh, in a vacuum, Greg. And the reason that he actually, he actually shows up as a fade for me because of, I, I think he is going to be probably the most popular guy in this range. So in this, in this $9,000 range, I think he's going to suck up a lot of the DraftKings ownership, which to me is always a little scary. Um, if I'm going to be on one of the chalkier, one of the more popular guys, I would, I would prefer him to be pretty consistent. Uh, you mentioned it, you know, Billy relies often on that putter to get, to get scorching hot. And if it, and if it doesn't, he can miss the cut or he can disappoint. So it is not necessarily a, a knock against 
Billy and how I think he's going to play this week. I think it's more so I will probably uh, have less of him in my lineups than the rest of the industry and the rest of the field might. That's my only thing. Yeah, popular player, I agree. I I can definitely see that. He's kind of uh, a little bit trendy there. He's somewhat of a known player. And you're, he, he's on the lower end of the $9,000 range. Yeah. And like you said, stars and scrubs, if you're going to go heavy on a Fleetwood or, uh, on a player like that, then I think there's definitely a lot of value in getting a Billy Horschel in there. It sounds like I may not be the only one. My other fade here is Victor Hovland, who, of course, we punish, uh, the, the, you know, the, the guy who was the best player in the world last week. Also, I was like 21 years old at one point, And if you gave me $500,000 and a trophy and called me a PGA Tour winner, um, you wouldn't see me for a couple of days. So I don't know how he's going to bounce back, uh, headed to, headed to Florida this week, but I'm just going to take a pass and say, we'll see you later in the year, Victor. I couldn't agree more. He's definitely <laughs> a fade on my list. And it's, it's really too bad, but you just don't know how he's going to respond. I mean, it might be quite literally, he might quite literally have a hangover going. Literal hangover. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I, I do think he'll recover at some point. I just, this week is a, it, it's a tough week to follow for him, in, in my opinion. Great player again. Um, but there's also the curse of the Puerto Rico Open. Oh. Um, no winner of the Puerto Rico Open has gone on to win again. Do you think? This is a little tangential. Do you think he is talented enough to break that curse? Yeah. I mean, first of all, he's going to get like, I don't know, 15 more years at it. Like, how long is this guy going to be around? So I think just like basic 15 years would be short for him. Uh, Yeah, seriously. It might might be longer than that. And like, he's already so good. He's going to play a lot. Uh, yeah, he'll be, he'll be just fine. He'll break it. Yeah. Well, Tony Fino is probably, <laughs> yeah, we probably said, would have said, we said the, the same, same thing. thing. <laughs> so, whoa. Um, we'll all see. right. So for me, nine K's, um, I, I think I like most, uh, Sungjae as I always do. Justin Rose is a little enticing. Uh, I'm staying away from, from Billy Horschel just from an ownership standpoint and probably just staying away from Victor Hovland for, uh, I don't know, an alcohol standpoint, whatever you want to call it. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like you're on Billy Horschel. You're fading Victor Hovland. Who who else here that I'm missing? Um, I'm fading Eric Van uh, Van Royen. Mm-hmm. I think I got that right. I'm that fading him. I just I think there's such a big difference between last week and this week, and I I feel like he had a great week last week. I feel like he's a great player. I'm just I'm not sure. I, I have a, a this is on a hunch. It's 100 percent on a hunch. But I, I am uh, I'm fading him this week. I'm also fading Justin Rose. So I like I really like Horschel. Um, I I'm also fading Lowry. I have a lot of fades in this range. I'm okay. really I'm I'm not too high on Louis is a player I love as a as a player. Um, I love that golf swing. I love the way that he goes about it. Um, in can in potential conditions like this, I'm not overly high on it. But I have a feeling that this week he's going to play pretty well. So a hesitant play on Louie. Let me, uh, let me jump Horschel's in on Louie real big quick. Guy for me. Let me jump in on Louie real quick. I, in my database, uh, going back four years on Louie, last week was his best putting performance ever and his worst tee to green performance ever, which is like bizarro world for Louie. I don't know yeah. how it happened. I'm assuming they're both outliers and he's going to get right back to being good again. Well, he's one of those guys kind of like a Dustin Johnson where it just rolls off his back. Like, yeah. yeah, I'd rather be, I'd rather be hunting or doing something else. I, I play golf for work kind of a thing. I don't think he's going to let it get to his head. So I, I have a funny, Louis, Louis just such a good player and yeah. he's at a really good price. I think he's a good play. 
I, I don't disagree with you. Um, all right, let's jump down to eights. Daniel Berger, I'm not going to read them all. Daniel, Daniel Berger leads the way at 8,900. Luke List is the bottom of it. Uh, with Emiliano Grio at 8,000 flat. Um, now here we're getting into some guys that I think I can, I can make some pretty tough stances on, but I'm going to go to you first, Greg. Who's the one or two guys here that you're most excited about? Daniel Berger. Okay. Ryan Palmer. Okay. And I've said this before, and this guy has burned me before, but Emiliano Grio. No. I, I, I like his game. I think his game really fits, but he's just, he, he, every time I feel like this is what, this is an Emiliano Grillo courts, he seems to burn me, but I still like him this week. I got to go back to the well here. So I'm Berger, Palmer and, and Grillo. Daniel Berger's been playing great lately. Uh, he's from Florida. It's a hometown. It's a, it's a home game for him. So I think he, he likes the golf course second in 2015. Um, his two recent finishes tied 29th, tied 36, which are pretty good. I think his game's coming around, uh, and I, I think you're going to see Daniel Berger play pretty well. Ryan Palmer, I like his the, his ability to drive the ball. It, this reminds me a little bit of the Sony Open yep. that you got to get the ball in play, um, and and he also had a great finish last year, as you mentioned. So I, I think Ryan Palmer is a nice fit, um, and and Grio he can hit it, and I yeah. I it, again that's a really has that that's a, a hesitant one for me. So I, I'm, I'm with you a little bit. Um, not with you on Daniel Berger. Uh, I think that the $8,900 is a little bit too expensive for me. He does have back-to-back top tens, which is the first time he's done that since 2016. He went back-to-back top tens at, uh, Shell Houston and then the Masters. Um, I, now we're asking him to go, you know, back-to-back-to-back in top tens. I'm a little bit concerned that he can keep it going, but I'm, you know, Happy to be wrong there because I, I, I do like Daniel Berger. Um, Ryan Palmer's weird because Palmer has just had like a couple of really weird situations. Yeah. You know, you mentioned the Sony and how well he played. He hits that like three wood out of the wet bunker on 18 over the grandstand, which he didn't need to do, but he didn't know it at the time, which he probably could have finished better than fourth. Then he has like the one hole. What was it? I guess it was at Genesis or Waste Management where he had like seven shots from the bunker. It had to be Genesis. And it was like, Genesis. Yeah, it had to be Genesis. So yeah, he like, made a nine on a par three. Like, it's just been like, outside of like those two situations, he's been pretty good for the last, I don't know, two months or so. He's got a pretty good history here. You mentioned the fourth place last year. So, uh, Palmer was on my list, but the guy I'm most excited about, and this is classic, like Rick, like when there's blood in the streets by property is Benny on. Yeah, I uh, knew it. I mean, like, literally everyone is – no one's going to play him because everyone played him last week because he had hashtag baby swag, first start back from having a baby, everybody goes nuts. Uh And he goes out and he loses six, like six and a half strokes putting in the first round. It was literally, literally a historically bad round on the PGA Tour. There's only been like 14 rounds worse than it or something like that. It was <laughs> so, so bad. But – the next three rounds, uh, add them all up. He gained nearly a half a stroke, which is just, when you're bent on, just play to your, just play to, play to field average. That's all good. He was 10th in the field in strokes gained T to green last week over all four rounds in that stacked field at the WGC. So yes, I'm, I am eliminating, uh, round one Thursday, Benny on from my memory. I'm looking at the final three days and how he played T to green for the entire week. And I'm back in baby. I'm thinking with Ben on, it's a fade for me. 
here's another disagreement. We, are, <laughs> you are so high on Ben on. I'm, I'm yeah. not. I, I question that putting. To me, that's while it was extremely bad, and it's probably the the really bad end of bad. He's not a good putter. He's a he's a bad putter. Yes, and is. that's the kind of round that is almost it's mo- almost more likely to me than the really hot round. The other thing that I have big questions about is we remember back to the American Express, and we can talk to Mark about this at some point because he was four or five under par through six. I think he was five under right. through six. Yeah, uh, and Mark picked him that week, and he's looking like uh, like a, a god. And, and all made, of a sudden, he made an eight. He made an eight, and it was all downhill. He made an eight, and it was all downhill. And I look at this golf course, and it is just waiting for a train wreck. It, it's just begging for it. Most players <laughs> in the field at some point will have a train wreck here. And yeah. when you get the, that, that's not good for Ben on. It's not good. For, I, so I have a hard time trusting him this week under the gun, whereas Brian Palmer, I, I trust him to not get stuck in a bunker again like he did at Genesis where he shot 81. You look at the scores that he shot, and and it's basically 71-71 and a missed cut at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Pretty decent rounds. He, he shoots 81 at the Genesis with a 9 on a par 3. His other scores were 71-70-72. He's one of those guys that can hang around par very, very well, and that's going to be valuable this week. Uh, one good round. You see a, a, a 64 out of a Ryan Palmer on a Sunday, and all of a sudden he's right there with a chance to win. So, uh, whereas Ben on, I just, I worry the train wreck is much more real with him, and I don't think he has to get stuck in a bunker to have a train wreck. Well, I will only be on site on Saturday, so let's hope that Benny on is still there by the time I get there, uh, which would be a good sign. <laughs> I hope for your sake, too. <laughs> All right, $8,000 range. I like Benny on. Uh, we both like Ryan Palmer. You like Daniel Berger, me not so much, and you like Emiliano Grio and me not very much on Emiliano Grio. Yep. Is that about sum well, it up? Uh, that, yeah, I think you're right on. A guy I have some questions about, and I like, I want to like it, but I'm not sure. I want to get your thoughts. Joaquin Neiman. Uh, I like if you gave if you let me invest in the next, I don't know, 18, 24 months of players like Neiman would be probably near the top of the list of guys that I would I would want to invest in. I think the issue is o- always going to be we don't know when the weeks are that he's going to pop. Um, he doesn't have a ton of a lot of history anywhere because he's played, what, one full season on the PGA Tour. He's got like a, a season and a half under his belt. So it's not like he has a lot of great history anywhere. But I think his skill set is so good and he's so talented that he's going to pop up on leaderboards a lot. He's going to be on the first page. I just have no idea when it's going to be. So, so like for that reason, he makes it difficult to bet and he makes it difficult to put in my DraftKings lineups because like I don't know, but if you just let me buy 18 to 24 months, love it. See, Joaquin to me would be a good bet to win guy this week. You're going to get pretty good odds on him. I'm not sure what the exact number is, but I know if he's at 8,700, he's going to have pretty good odds. 66 to 1. Yeah. I I like those odds for him. And I think his game, the thing I like about his game is he can flight it really low. Um, and he's a, he's a really, really good ball striker. And the putting thing, he, I think he could, I think he could have a good putting week here at the Honda. So he's a guy I have my interest on, but I agree with you. It's high risk. It, yeah. It's one of those, he, he could miss the cut very easily, but I think it's worth, I, I think at 66 to one, it's worth a bet. Okay. We're going to get into the longer shots, uh, go down to the seven K range and talk to deeper guys. But first let's take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors. 
Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify is. You covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com/slash/OdysseyPodcast. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/slash/OdysseyPodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com/slash/OdysseyPodcast. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we're back. All right, Craig, uh, let's jump down to the sevens. And this is where you get a lot of names. Uh, Johnny Vegas, Kevin Streelman at the top at 7,900, all the way down to a handful of guys at 7,000 even. We're talking Doc Redman, KH Lee, Zin Zun Zhang, one of my favorite names to say on air. Uh, there's a lot of names here, okay? I'm a little bit partial. I'm not a little bit partial. I'm a lot partial to Johnny Vegas at 7,900. And I'm wondering how many people saw his 10 under par 62 in the final round of the Puerto Rico Open. This is something that we talk about all the time, Greg, which is these guys are such creatures of habit. And if they find one swing thought, one thing, it can keep them going for a day, a week, a month, whatever it is. So if Johnny Vegas found something in Puerto Rico in the final round, and now he's heading to a place where he's got a fourth in 2017, a 16th in 2019. He is historically a very good uh, off-the-tee player, which is going to keep you generally fairly dry around here. Like, that to me is worth the $7,900. Very good driver of the ball. You had a great tweet about that. Um, he, yes, he's I did. Dri- right? He's driving <laughs> it with uh, with Rom and Rory. He's yeah. up in that category as far as strokes gained are concerned. So I love Johnny Vegas's game off the tee. It's important this week for sure. He, he played really well in the Florida swing last, last year. All the events he played in the Florida swing were fantastic. And the key to me is I, we know how good he is off the tee. He, he had a great putting stretch during the Florida swing. And I think the greens, they get a little bit flatter. There's a little bit of grain to deal with, but they're a little bit flatter. Here at the players at the Valspar, they're, they're not as slopey as you might see on a mountain course like Mexico. They're not certainly not as slopey as you'll see at a place like Riviera. They're a little flatter. I think it brings him into play. So uh, Vegas to me is definitely a good play. 
Okay. Who else you got? Russell Knox. Mm. I'm very interested in Russell Knox this week. I think at 7,600, it, it's, uh, it, it's a, a much cheaper kind of a pick. It, it's a, a good middle six range and he's got a kind of a sneaky game. It's like a, this, this has a lot of European tour feel to me. This event, yes. it, it's usually an international field, uh, for one, for a variety of reasons. But it also has the, the, the elements. The elements are very important. Winds are going to be around 15 or 16 miles an hour this week through much of the week. Sunday, you're probably going to see a little bit lighter winds, but he had a really good year going. He did miss the cut at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. He missed the cut at Genesis, which gives me a little bit of concern. But before that, a lot of top 30 finishes. I mean, uh, he was tied 11th at, in Bermuda, another windy venue, tied 20th at the RSM, tied 32nd at the Sony Open, uh, tied 37th at the American Express, but he shot 13 under. And um, the Farmers Insurance Open, he was tied 21st, tied 16th at Waste Management. I look at his scores, and he's kind of in that, he, he finds a way to get into that, three to 10 under par range quite often. And I think on a golf course like this, it's a good venue to fit uh, 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 Russell Knox. Well, I I do think there is a a mold of a player uh, that generally should find success at Honda. And I do think that Russell Knox fits that mold. So he's 70 70 to one to win, but I I might uh, take a little nibble on either his 11 to one number to finish in the top five, or even his five and a half to one number to finish in the top 10. I think that that might be worth an investment. Now, I'm yeah, actually, I, I would probably stay away from bet to win. Yeah, I mean, there's just listen. Win, winning is hard. <laughs> Winning's very hard to do. Only one guy's gonna do it. If you give me the top ten number and and let my guy finish, you know, in a three way tie for ninth or whatever it is, like, yeah, that sounds a lot better. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, then my next, uh, I, I go down a little bit here. I'm don't forget about Harry Higgs, our boy Harry Higgs, who was a. DFS darling, uh, over the first month or month and a half of the calendar year. We haven't seen him since, since Pebble Beach in where he finished T18. He was playing with, he was playing with Jay Monahan, right? He was playing with the commissioner. They stick, they stick Harry Higgs bad boy with, uh, with the commission so he doesn't cause any trouble. But I mean, look at his last three results. T18 at Pebble, T25 at the waste management, T9 at the farmers. Like, this dude was on a roll. He's taken a couple of weeks off. I'm wondering if everyone's forgotten about him at $7,300. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. Are you thinking driving? Driving is going to be very important. What, what's your when you look at your stat breakdown? Yep. Is there a particular thing in statistics you're looking at this week? So I will tell you, um, approach strokes gained approach was uh, massive. It was there's only nine courses on the PGA Tour that strokes gained approach is more important on. Um, but then after that, but that, but a stroke scan approach is important like every single week. Uh, but then right. you, but then you look at off the tee, which, uh, was also pretty critically important. And it makes sense because that's where the big numbers come from. The big numbers come from losing one off the tee or, you know, depending on where some of these pin placements are hitting your approaches. If you're two yards on the wrong side of it, you're wet. Like, like you really do have to be precise. So in weeks where, you know, I, I always love strokes gain approach. I always love off the tee. I, I am definitely, uh, promoting off the tee, uh, because I don't, I don't want my guy on number six where that water runs all the way down the left hand side. If you're a yard off the fairway, you're wet. And it's just like, that's a tough, yeah. that's, that's a tough ask, you know, <clears throat> for a guy that hits it, he's averaging 300 yards off the tee. His driving accuracy is 66%. 
which is quite good at that distance. Yeah. Um, uh, being above 65%, it's kind of like the new 70-70. There used to be the 70-70 club they would talk about. <laughs> hitting 70% of your fairways, 70% of your greens. It, at the distance the players are hitting the ball now, if you're hitting 65% of your fairways, that's like hitting 70% or more. So um, I do think a, a very accurate driver of the golf ball, hitting a lot of greens, he hits just under 70% of his greens irregulation at 69.63. Those are important things to me this week. I, I look at a week like this, and I'm thinking fairways and greens are more important because of all the danger than some of the strokes gained statistics. For instance, Billy Horschel has very weak strokes gain approach numbers, but at the same time, he hits a lot of greens irregulation. That's beneficial here because it's about being safe. Proximity to the hole is less important. So I see a Harry Higgs who's, well, he is 19th strokes gain off the tee, which is a great sign, but he also hits a lot of fairways and he hits a lot of greens and he's not a bad putter. So I, I think Harry Higgs is a, a, a fine pick. I, I'm, I'm definitely a play on Harry yeah. Higgs. He's, he's actually eighth off the tee in this field. So he's 19th on tour. He's eighth in this field, which is obviously even better. Um, yeah. the guy that I'm staying away from, I'm already seeing a little bit of, of chatter about him because of his finish last week at the Puerto Rico Open is Kyle Stanley. And I'm pretty sure he's your guy. Uh, I Kyle, love Kyle Stanley. Yeah. Well, I don't, but 7,200 bucks for Kyle Stanley this week. Uh, yes, third place finish at the Puerto Rico Open. I think he was the, 18 and or 36 hole leader, uh, one, yes. one or two of those. Um, but then if you go back even further than that, I mean, it, it's all red, you know, 64th at the Genesis in a field of 72, uh, four straight missed cuts prior to that missed his last two cuts here at Honda. Like I cannot get excited. One iota for Kyle Stanley. He is a 70, 70 club type guy, right? <laughs> he hits a lot of fairways, hits a lot of greens, but boy, it's just been boring lately. Now, I, I became yeah. a huge Kyle Stanley fan um, a number of years ago. I became a real big, and it's kind of a joke, the Kyle Stanley fan club uh, is definitely a little bit of a joke. I would do, I, I do Fantasy Five guys on Sirius XM, and he, I, I picked him like three times during the year, and I think it was 2018. And he came in second every time. He was right there in the mix. He was like my dark horse who every time I picked him, it turned to gold. And so the, this joke kind of ensued that I'm in Kyle Stanley fan club. But he really is a, a phenomenal tee to green player, uh, a shorter hitter. So he has that makeup, driving accuracy nearly 70%, greens of regulation nearly 70% are things you like. His 168th in strokes game putting. His birdie average is 3.74. Right. There's just there, there's not a lot here. Um, and so I think he's a, a middle ground for me. I, I like him. So there's a bias play. Mm-hmm. There's a bias play because there are some things to hang your hat on. OK, I can hang my hat on those greens of regulation. I think he can avoid hazards. And he did play well last week. But you're right. I mean, it's just not exciting. It's just a boring pick. Where does you have to decide right now on Tuesday? Where the defending champion Keith Mitchell finishes in this tournament? Thirty uh, sixth place. Oh, okay, that's probably pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I don't, and I don't even know if I'd be excited about that, right? I mean, he's seventy three hundred dollars. Would I? Would I be like, oh, okay, that's that's cool. Um, it hasn't been a good run for 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 Killer Keith. So here's where I'm at on the sevens. Uh, I like Johnny Vegas. I like Harry Higgs. I believe you do as well. 
I'm off of guys like Kyle Stanley, even like Lucas Glover, who, um, you know, has good results around here. He's got basically three straight top 20s. I'm staying away from that. Um, you like uh, Russell Knox, I believe, at 76. Yep. And you are lukewarm on Kyle Stanley. Is that about, that about sum it up? Yeah, I'm lukewarm on him. I'm and, also staying away from Wyndham Clark, too. I think he'll be a popular guy. Yeah. I'm just staying away. And if Keith Mitchell finishes exactly 36, I'll send you $100. Deal. Free roll, free roll for it. Deal. All right. Hey, how cool. about Bud Colley? Do you like Bud Colley? Uh, Bud Colley is interesting. I'm never really a huge fan. I, I, I know he pops up from time to time. I think he had a, a T5 or a fifth place finish somewhere earlier. It had to be probably American Express, but he backs it up with so many missed cuts. So I think if you're investing in Bud Colley, you just really need to understand what you're investing in, which is not a safe option. He's the guy. The reason I ask about him is he, he you know, you, you, he's definitely one of those names you just kind of gloss over. I've played with Bud Colley a couple times. I, I really like the guy, and that's part of the reason why I, he always draws my eye because I, you know, I, I've, I've met, I've played with him. Hey, he beat me by ten. <laughs> I play, I, and I played great. He beat me by ten, and he he did nothing. So anyway, he's extremely impressive. I don't know how he ever misses a cut. He is so he's the type of guy. The and and this is a good golf course for him, in my opinion, because he's uh, he's like okay, good shot, Bud. Good shot. Good shot, but he doesn't really do any, he doesn't do anything crazy. He just, he doesn't really miss. So I'm a little confused with why he misses so many cuts. It doesn't make sense to me. I think this is a week he could pop up. If you're a Bud Colley fan like me, this is the kind of week that you play him, but I could definitely, I could definitely see the fade. We will, we will keep an eye on, uh, Bud Colley for this week and then we'll jump down to the six K's. And for me, uh, you know, that stars and scrubs approach. Uh, it looks good on paper. Then you get down to the 6K range and you're like, oh boy, uh, I've got to play some of these scrubs. And there's really only a couple of them that jump out at me, Greg. Uh, the first and foremost, Joseph Bramlett. So he was the invite into the Genesis Open a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he ended up finishing 51st there, obviously in a stacked field. But the week prior, it was an 18th at Pebble. He had a 9th in Puerto Rico. He's a really good, just solid player at $6,700. Like if I'm forced to go down here, he's probably the first guy I'm plugging in. Is there anybody else here that kind of gets you, gets you excited? Rob Oppenheim. Okay. And, and Scott Brown. So Rob Oppenheim, Scott Brown just recently had a, uh, a really nice finish at the Genesis. He pops up out of nowhere at Genesis. It's like, was Scott Brown really just coming second place? (laughs) (laughs) He just pops up. So I don't know if that's a hot streak. I don't know if that was a one tournament thing, but I know Scott Brown's a fantastic player. Obviously has his PGA tour card. And, and it's one of those weeks where you don't necessarily have to go crazy low. So I, I do like Scott Brown in that sense. And every time I look up, I see Rob Oppenheim's name and I'm only attracted to it because he was, um, I, I covered the, the longest day in golf this past year. Uh, up here in Westchester at the local, uh, sectional qualifier for the U.S. Open, and Rob Oppenheim was one of the guys who who got in. And I, it's a name you you can't really forget. So yeah. when you see him pop up in Puerto Rico, you see him pop up in a lot of these tournaments. It's a, a pleasant surprise for me. So um, he's definitely a name I got my eye on. And again, I think you don't have to go shoot eighteen under. I, I think this is a place where Rob Oppenheim can get something going. 
So uh, it's funny you mentioned Scott Brown because he was actually on my list as well. Um, and what's really funny is, yeah, he played awesome at Genesis. Then he goes to the Scott Brown Open, the Puerto Rico Open, a place he's dominated, and he finishes 67th. Like, dude, what the heck? You were you were like supposed to win that. Um, but yeah, yeah he, it's backwards got, on that. It's it's bizarro world. But he's got uh yeah 20th at the Honda. Last year, he had a 10th place finish back in 2016. He's made four straight cuts here, which is really uh, all you're asking for at this point out of someone down at $6,500. And then generally speaking, Greg, when I see uh, a lot of the casual golf DFS guys, when they come in here to make lineups and they need to go down to this range, they generally just pick the names that they know. So yeah. in this situation, it would be Jason Duffner. It would be Jimmy Walker. Um, maybe Jim Furyk. Yeah, Zach. I think He's Zach Johnson's at the high at the high sixes. Like guys like that that they've heard of, which I think is probably the biggest mistake. I mean, no, no, nothing against Duffner and Walker. They're just like they're just not that good anymore. Uh, Jimmy Walker specifically. Uh, like between between the two of those guys, they've missed at least six straight cuts, seven straight cuts. Yeah. Um, Major and, champions. Yeah. And, and you listen, father time is undefeated. Nobody can stay in their, in their, in their peak forever. Uh, but I think one of the biggest mistakes is going out and just grabbing the, these guys be, because you know their name. I'd rather play CT Pan. I'd rather play, you know, at least Siwoo Kim has some, has upside. Like at least like, like there's just, uh, you know, Lucas Beauregard. Like I, I'd rather play almost anybody over, over some of these just household names. And again, part of that's part of the reason why I like Rob Oppenheim. So uh, a name that you don't really know when you get down into this range, you got to have something. There's got to be something to hang your hat on. Like CT Pan, I can hang my hat on the President's Cup. Yep. And so far this year, and if I go scrambling through my notes, I can find this uh, little <laughs> President's Cup stat. This year so far, PGA Tour events, not including opposite field events, and this is now the calendar year, in the eight weeks we've had, six of them, have uh, six of the winners have played in the President's Cup. Yeah. So can you hang your hat on that for C.T. Pan? Absolutely. In this range, I mean, he's a, he's a steal. If you're uh, looking at Rob Oppenheim like me, well, you're looking at the fact that he's 48th in strokes gained tee to green. He only hits it 285 off the tee. There's not a lot of weeks where that's beneficial. This is one of those weeks where distance doesn't really matter. Uh, a guy who's going to do pretty well on more difficult golf courses you look at a lot of his scores relative to par and you'll see three under two under three under eleven under five under five under six under two under thirteen under in puerto rico last week so this is kind of the range where he could jump into the mix um but again in this range what is it that you're going to find what is it that you're going to hang your hat on you can't simply be throwing darts down here yep absolutely true so for me it's it's bramlett it's brown it's staying away from guys like a Jimmy Walker, like a Jason Duffner for you, Rob Oppenheim. And then, yeah, just something, right? Uh, a CT Pan, someone we've seen play at a very high competitive level recently. Like that's good enough right. for $6,400. Um, right. So I would say CT Pan, Rob Oppenheim, and Scott Brown would be my goes in this range. And uh, everybody else is a fade. <laughs> Every, everybody other, else is a fade for me. The other 30 <laughs> names here. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. A couple of quick head to heads. And I think I might know where you, where you lean on these, but I've got one here. Billy Horschel minus 126 versus Benny on at minus 108. Who you got, Greg? Oh, this is easy. 
Billy Horschel, yeah. right? And I know you're going to disagree with me. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm, I'm pretty sure you're going to disagree. So yep. let's hear it. Tell me why I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, I won't rehash everything, but yeah, it's Benny on. I mean, I, I think this is <laughs> this is just producer Jacob put this in here because he knew like Billy Horschel is very on brand for you. Benny on is very on brand for me. Like this is like we were absolutely going to take opposite sides on this one. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That's why it's a great one. It, it's a great head to head. Yeah, uh, a couple of internationals here. Uh, this is almost a, a a dead coin flip. Uh, Shane Lowry minus one eighteen versus EVR Eric Fundruin minus one sixteen. Who you got, Greg? Man, I'm not Stop. overly high on either of these guys. No. I'm I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to go with EVR here. Okay. Um, reason being, I just saw him play recently, and mm-hmm. he played really well. So I'm not going to take that away from him. There's a, a great chance that he found something. I just, the, the trend to me, what I foresee is a little miscut out of EVR, but I don't have any confidence in Shane Lowry right now. I, I don't really have anything to hang my hat on with him. So I have, I have something that I can cling to with EVR and it's what he did last week, even though I don't, I, I'm not really high. This is probably one I would, I would stay away from. Yeah, I'm not sprinting to the window to get either one of these guys. Um, I think if you asked this, if you had the same matchup six days ago, Shane Lowry would have been a, a significant favorite here. So I'm just going to roll with that. I think Lowry is a guy who, when the winning score might be eight under, uh, I, I kind of like him to grind it out and keep it in play and, and try yeah. not to do any big numbers. But you're right. I, I am not excited about either side of this one. <clears throat> All right, Greg, it is time. It's Tuesday, so we've got to get on the record for our one-and-done picks. Would you like me to go first, or do you want to go first? Uh, I think I I think I let you go first last week, so I'll go ahead okay. first this week. This is a challenging one for me. I'll okay. start off by saying that. This, of all the one-and-dones we've had so far this year, this is the one that makes you the most squeamish. This is the most nerve-wracking one-and-done of all. Because like we've talked about this American Express course history sticky. Remember we were talking about that. There's it's uh, guys who play well tend to always play well. And that has a lot to do with weather. Well, once you get to the Florida swing, that's not the case. Players who play really well can miss the cut in a heartbeat. And it gives me great concern this week. All that being said, uh, I'm trusting in Gary Woodland this week. He's going to be my one and done pick. I, I think he hits fairways. I think he hits greens. He's going to get away from, he's going to stay away from big numbers and coming down the stretch. I, I trust him. So I'm going Gary Woodland. Oh man. I think this is the first time all year. I, uh, I also had Gary Woodland. So <laughs> this is, uh, yeah. Oh, wait, I, didn't you? I thought you picked Gary already. Have I picked Gary Woodland already? Didn't you pick him in, as a, oh, a spite pick? Oh, you know I, what I have? <laughs> yeah, I have picked Gary Woodland. Uh, wow, okay, good Okay, well, got to change. Okay. <laughs> it's not the two and done, it's the one That's and the done. only reason I remember. The only um, reason I remember that is because... It was a spite pick on Kyle yeah. and Mark. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, wow. Okay, so on the fly here, um, then I will take... Uh, I'll, I'll take Billy Horschel, who I know I wasn't wow. as... Yeah, who I wasn't as high on, but listen... I there's not a real, na- there are natural fits here. It's Ricky Fowler. Ricky Fowler is a natural fit. I think Gary's fine. Like I wanted to play Gary Woodland. Um, I- I'm not going to miss Billy Horschel, uh, using him here over any other time. He's got the good course history. He's got the recent form. It's funny because, um, in some of the larger one and done pools on the internet, 
the top three, like the three most popular picks from last year are all not playing this year. So all of that ownership wow. has to go somewhere else. Um, so I, I, I'm comfortable using Billy here. This is, uh, one of the smaller prize pools of the season. I think it's like the bottom, I don't know, eight or nine prize pools. So yep. I'm willing to just kind of try to ride a hot hand, uh, one more time and take Billy. I, hey, I like it. You know, yeah. I was kind of between Woodland and Horschel, but I'm thinking there are some, some events later on in the year that I think you'll see Horschel play in, maybe like a 3M open. Yeah. Uh, maybe an event like that where I think he may turn out to be the class of the field, um, in, in that late, later in the summer. Gary, I feel like I, I there's a real opportunity for a win here. So I I'm, agree. I'm going to go with him. I agree. I wish I still had him. All right. Uh, that'll do it. For this episode of The First Cut, I want to thank Greg Ducharme for joining me as he does every Tuesday. Follow Greg on Twitter. He's at TheRealGFD. You can find me, Rick Gaiman, on Twitter at RickRunGood, and we'll see you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.